All right, Rams Nation, welcome back to the Mob Squad Pod presented by LA Sports Nation. This is episode five where we're going to go over the draft. Uh, it came and went. It seemed like it went really quick, actually, believe it or not. Uh, it was a quick couple days, um, a lot of anticipation. It actually felt like it went off like without a hitch for the most part. I was expecting or I guess hoping for maybe a little chaos thrown in there, but we didn't get that. Uh, so as always, we got Manny Chang and we got Aaron Stevens with us. Guys, how did the draft weekend treat you? Yeah, Nick, I definitely agree. I was expecting some more hiccups there and I didn't really see anything. Um, the only thing that comes to mind is uh, it looked like Roger Cadell was talking some to some of the production crew during the the Browns first draft pick. Uh, but otherwise I thought it went pretty smooth. Uh, I mean, there's some, uh, there's some surprise picks in there that I think we're going to get into a little bit uh, in regards to the Rams and uh, I, the Rams overall. I am not super excited about the draft, but um, yeah, once we start digging into a little bit for, or the second round going, uh, going onward. Uh, definitely like to get into a more in-depth discussion, but overall, I thought it went. I thought the draft went pretty smooth, and um, it was still fun to watch. It was different, but it was still fun to watch. Yeah, Aaron and Nick, I I, I thought it went well at least when it came to watching it on TV. Um, obviously, it was all virtual. Um, I thought it was just hilarious seeing as the night progressed for Roger Goodell on day two, he went from a suit to then to a t-shirt to all of a sudden being very snatched up on his couch. I thought that was just freaking hilarious. Um, yeah, seeing, that was a fun transition. Yeah. Seeing also like how the, uh, how certain coaches were reacting. I mean, you have a guy in, in Harbaugh, all the, you know, um, head coach of the Ravens who just went absolutely berserk for a pick. And then you see uh, the uh, Houston coach O'Brien just upset and he's just yelling at something, bleep this, bleep this. I don't know how to freaking bleep this. So I thought that was, that was also pretty cool to watch and see. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think the most funniest part as well was the Titans um, draft with a uh, coach Frable, where you can see clearly on the left side, there's a person sitting on the toilet seat. Um, they want to deny it. And then the following day in that same position, it's like a white foam through the glass. And now you can't even see the reflection heading into the restroom. So <laughs> I thought that was hilarious as well. Yeah, there were some interesting moments in there. And they did try to <laughs> deny that. From what I saw on Twitter, it looked like it was a couch or something. I don't really know, though. I, I, that's going to be one of those <laughs> draft myths, I guess, that goes on for a while. I missed um, that one. It did. It did. Uh, they yeah. did have some like people in spandex wearing. Uh, the kids are running around dancing. Mr. Yeah. Freeze or or like uh, yeah, or the uh, I think it's a cartoon character from the Incredibles. Uh, I forgot his name. Um, not free. Frozone. I Frozone, think. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, uh, there is the the start the to start it too. I kind of like that virtual booze directed at Roger Goodell. He kind of got that, that, uh, that yeah, was, that was that interesting. That was kind of entertaining. <laughs> the video, I guess call it the video board or whatever that had like the virtual fans was interesting. There was definitely my favorite moment that, uh, I retweeted when I saw it was the chargers. <laughs> the first pick <laughs> the chargers no made and they couldn't fill the boxes uh that was really funny um i do kind of low-key feel bad because that's i don't think the chargers deserve that i think they've got a better team than than that but it was pretty funny slash embarrassing to see that 
Um, there was definitely some other moments there where you could see the reactions to some fans' faces, I think, when they heard the picks. And they were like, what? <laughs> right. Um, one other thing I was just going to touch on really quick, too, was, uh, Manny, you had touched on uh, Bill O'Brien getting upset. I did see that after the fact, and I looked into it. And uh, according to Pro Football Talk, there was a trade that was supposed to happen between the Texans and the Lions. And apparently it fell through at the last minute and Bill O'Brien was super upset about it. So that's why he was yelling and, and screaming and, and all that. Apparently wait, so, last minute. Wait, go so, ahead. so he didn't want the trade to happen? No, he did want the trade to happen. Uh, and I guess Detroit at the last minute bailed out and Bill O'Brien was not happy about it. Because oh, remember, Bill, for those that don't know, Bill O'Brien is the coach and also general manager. So um, he's dual-hatted there. So you could see why he would be so upset as a coach and as a general manager. Well, if you can't handle both things at the same time, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. But, hey, what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you uh, traded away your best wide receiver for another guy who's a concussion protocol every oh other week. Gosh. But, hey, yeah, right. let's continue. Yeah. Um, so the first night, uh, the Rams did not have a pick. Uh, the reason being is because they traded their first round pick this year for Jalen Ramsey. So overall, um, I would argue that that was probably a good trade. Um, assuming they re-sign him obviously, um, but getting a guy of Jalen Ramsey's talent, uh, in the first rounds, I mean, Hey, you can't really complain about that. So no first round pick for the Rams this season. Um, that's been the same since 2016, since Jared Goff got drafted. So, um, and as of now, if I remember correctly, the Rams don't even have a first round pick next year either. So we'll see. I don't think we're going to have one next year either. Um, the Rams are one of those teams where they don't feel like they need first round picks, I guess, to um, bolster their roster. They're more of a uh, quantity over quality approach. They'd rather just get lots of guys instead of, I guess, a few guys and hope they're really good. Um, so the first pick that we made was in the second round, and it was pick 52. And I don't know how you guys viewed this. Um, judging by what I saw on Twitter, it was kind of a polarizing pick. I was not happy with this pick whatsoever. It really upset me. Um, my wife was like looking at me like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm really upset. I'm really mad. I said a lot of words that I can't repeat right now. Um, but they took Cam Akers, who's a running back out of Florida State. Um, I'll go ahead and get your guys' thoughts before I lose my mind and talk for 30 minutes. So, uh, Manny, what do you think of this move? Well, being from Florida, um, obviously I've seen Cam Makers a lot, and, I, and I've also seen a lot of Van Jefferson as well from Florida. Um, when I thought of the Cam Makers move, I thought it was interesting that still um, J.K. Dobbins hadn't yet been picked. Um, I mean, here's a guy which, no offense, had a more productive season or more, you know, had more yards, had more catches, had more of basically every single stat you'd want in a running back. And it was clear to me that when J.K. went to the combine and he, you know, he clearly showed that he was not 100% health. Um, basically, the Rams, I guess, were looking at that position from the get-go, which then, you know, as we all know, everything went from looking at running back to the combine to then releasing of Todd Gurley to then what's led to this. Um, Cam Akers, to me, though, was the, has been the Florida State offense for the last two, three seasons. He's played in a pro-style offense his, the final year of Jimbo Fisher. Um, you know, so that, to me, at least is a plus. Um, he can run the ball. He can catch the ball. Um, 
pass blocking has to get a little bit better. You know, he's not that big of a back. But when you put him together with a Daryl Henderson and a Malcolm Brown, you got to, you know, I guess you got to be optimistic, right? So when you put all three pieces together, you got to say, okay, so, you know, I look at Malcolm Brown being like the bulldozer, or I see Daryl Henderson being like the slicer, and I see Cam Akers being more of the dicer, you know? You got to somehow put these three backs that totally have three, you know, ways of doing things with the football you got to say to yourself, okay, you know, maybe this is the way, which is what I've been saying from the get-go, Nick, from our first ever pod. You know, this is going to be a running first team for Sean McVay. Now, you know, as we saw for the rest of the draft, you drafted one offensive lineman and you only invited one more um, undrafted free agent. Guess I was wrong in a sense because he must have confidence in the, in the, uh, in, you know, in the, in the five that he had towards the end of last season. Um, but you know what, you know, I really thought that linebacker was, you know, had to be our first pick, you know, you still had quarterman on the board, which I told you guys a couple of weeks back. You still had, um, Malik Harrison, which was taken by the Baltimore Ravens. Now I guarantee you watch him become a stud, you know, and that three, four defense that they run that to me perfectly would have fit in nicely with, you know, with a new, um, with the new Rams, you know, um, D going forward. So, you know what, if you ask me what grade I'd say, I'd say maybe a B minus, maybe even a C. Not for the player himself. I just think for the pick, we could have gotten a much better player, I think, in a much, you know, higher need. Yeah. Aaron, what do you got? Yeah, you make a lot of good points there, Manny. Uh, you know, I, in our past podcast, I'd mentioned I thought the Rams really were going to be looking at a running back. So I'm not surprised that they picked one up. I am surprised they picked one up with their very first pick of the draft. Uh, I really think they could have waited until maybe third round to pick up a running back. Uh, I am a little bit curious to see how Cam Akers is going to tie in with Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown. Uh, is he going to utilize all, I mean, Sean McVay going to utilize all three of these running backs. Is he going to be, you know, uh, just doing a duo with Daryl Harris, Harrelson, jeez, Henderson and uh, Cam Akers here. Uh, is Malcolm Brown going to be utilized a lot? I don't know. I, I really think that they needed help on the defensive end. Like Manny said, linebacker was something I suspected them to draft right away. Uh, and instead, they went with two offensive players. Uh, and uh, I I mean, I'd probably go with the B- minus as well. I'm excited to see how Cam Akers, Akers is going to do. I mean, he was projected to be the, the fourth best running back in this draft class. So I'm still excited for his talent. Uh, I just thought that they could have waited a little bit longer to pick up somebody uh, in the in the offensive scheme and then, you know, just jump straight into either linebacker or cornerback. Um, I'm not too I'm not too stoked with it. I know you, Nick, were very upset with it. <laughs> uh, I'm still yeah, I'm still trying I, to be optimistic. Um, it's not I don't think it's the worst pick, but it just was not one that I anticipated or hoped for, but I'm trying to make the best of it. Yeah. And I don't doubt at some point in the future, people are going to start hating on me and saying that I'm just a hater and I'm pessimistic. I like to think of myself as a realist. I try to see things just kind of as they are, as down the middle as possible. Um, while I think Cam Akers is probably going to be a decent running back, um, I'm of the belief that you can get a good serviceable running back in the third round, fourth round, fifth round. We've seen just recently you can get really good running backs as undrafted free agents. Philip Lindsay was an undrafted free agent, and he did phenomenal last season. Um, I 
I have this thing, I guess my philosophy with running backs is you run them hard into the ground for four or five years, and then you move on to the next guy. Um, I don't believe in investing high picks and high dollars into running backs. They have to be some sort of generational talent, like a Todd Gurley, uh, an Adrian Peterson, something like that. Um, and like you guys had said, I think the the value here is diminished because the team really needed a linebacker. We really needed inside linebacking help. And if you weren't going to do that, at least take someone on the offensive line, because that was a big problem last season. And as we saw, Manny already alluded to it. The team really didn't do that either. Um, So while I would agree with Manny that cam is probably going to be a good running back in the NFL, uh, where the team took him is where I have the main issue because this looks like uh, Les Snead and the guys decided that we're going to take who we think is the best player available as opposed to the best the, the player that we need for the team. And uh, me, I, my, and me and my nature, I guess, I always have been of the opinion I would prefer the team draft for need as opposed to just drafting the best person available. Um, so... I'll give yeah, but a Nick, little bit. But, yeah, but, go ahead. But Nick, but I'm sure that we could all agree that no offense, Cam Nick, Cam Akers was not the best player uh, available at that pick. You know what no. I mean? So it's, you know, and, and to be honest with you, when we went through, you know, we, you know, on our Ramsation Twitter, we posted the question, what's the most crucial position of need running back was the least voted, you know? So it's frustrating to see that the, you know, our coach and our GM doesn't see it that way. You know, but for them to go out of nowhere to pick at 52 like this, knowing that five picks later, like, listen, without question, Cam Makers to me would have been available at 57 without a doubt, you know? So, like, why why the reach? Why why go out of your nature all of a sudden to go out there and get a guy like this? You know, we all saw the first running back did not go to round number two. So what was the reach? I mean, look at yeah. Zach Moss. He didn't even get picked up until the third round. Uh, I mean, the the Rams could even had a shot at him. Uh, I definitely think they could have waited to pick up a running back later in the draft. So, yeah, this this draft class definitely had some talent at the running back position. Yeah. Um, and like I said, he might turn out to be a really good running back, but this team did not need another running back. Um, everyone that I saw that I interacted with on Twitter and uh, other fans that I've talked to basically have all said when Todd Gurley got released that, Hey, that's okay. It sucks not having, you know, we're going to get screwed over financially, but we still have Henderson and we have Brown. So we're going to be okay. So everyone was totally fine with the running backs we have. And then we draft cam Akers, and I see all these Rams fans on Twitter, which I'm going to get on another separate tangent on Rams Twitter <laughs> later. But anyway, um, now we have this guy and everyone's like, oh, this is such a great pick and he's going to be amazing. And it's like, wait a minute, what happened to Henderson and Brown being good, good enough? I don't understand why we needed acres here. Um, and if Rams fans will remember, this wasn't that far ago, uh, the year that we made our Super Bowl run, not that long ago, um, we had a guy come in um, pretty much off the street and he did phenomenally. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you... Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so my MVP for the game before the Super Bowl for sure was that player right there. Yeah. Um, CJ Anderson basically came in 
Um, I don't know what he was doing at the time, but he basically came in from selling insurance or used cars or whatever he was doing. And Sean McVay was like, hey, do you want to carry us to a Super Bowl? And he's like, sure, dude, why not? Um, So that's where I have my biggest gripe with this pick is the team did not need a running back at 52. There were so many other glaring needs that this team could have addressed. And if the team really didn't feel like the guy that they wanted was here, they could have traded back and got more picks or got another you know, got another player from a team or something. So I, that's why this one just did not sit well with me. Um, I'll give, uh, you know, Cam Akers some shine here. Um, he's five foot 10, 217 pounds. So he's built. Uh, he can definitely run between the tackles. Um, last season, Florida State, he rushed for 1,144 yards, had 14 touchdowns and 231 carries. And one thing, so, though, one thing there to note as well, the Florida State offensive line was graded the worst in college ball. Just when you yeah, they, they I wanted to point that. that out because, listen, it's like I said, we're not hating on, on the Cam Makers pick. Okay? I've, I've seen this guy play in two, three types of offenses with so many coaches. And, you know, when it got really tough at Florida State, when Jimbo left, the whole mm-hmm. offense with Cam Makers. So, once again, this is not on Cam. That the Los Angeles Rams football team in this league did not need to pick a running back at this pick. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I did see that. Um, and that's probably good because um, you could make the argument that the Rams offensive line could struggle again this year. So he might be used yeah. to that. He might just walk in and go, oh, don't worry, guys, I got it. I've played this before. <laughs> um Interesting note here that I did see on ESPN. The Rams have now taken five running backs in the first three rounds since 2012. That's the most in the NFL during that span. Um, and, you know, like I said, the Rams, they just drafted Henderson in the third round last year. So I, I don't understand why they're going back to the well. Um, I, I almost uh, feel like they... Uh... They got a little too antsy. I mean, they dropped, they got rid of Todd Gurley. They got rid of Brandon Cooks. And then, of course, the first two voids that they fill are running back and wide receiver. It's like, it's like they got panicked and wanted to fill these, uh, these more exciting roles instead of jumping into really what they needed to get. And it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And some people, I guess, I don't know, some people are of the opinion that, you know, the offense was the issue last year, and that's why we kind of struggled to the nine and seven uh, record. I I don't think the offense was that bad last year, honestly. And help with offensive numbers, line. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah. not too long after this, uh, still in the second round at pick fifty-seven, the team took Van Jefferson, a wide receiver out of Florida. Um, Manny, you had mentioned, um, because you're local there to the area that you've seen these guys play. So I'm going to go ahead and let you just give us your piece on Van Jefferson. what do you think of this pick? Uh, yes. Uh, Van Jefferson. I mean, listen, it's, um, it's once again, it's not hatred on the player. It's just, uh, you know, I don't think that with this number pick in the draft, you, you know, you could have gotten some other starters that probably could have created more of an impact. Um, you know, Van is a heck of a guy at the wide receiver spot. He goes up there, catches the football, runs great routes, very very possessional type of guy. You know, like if you need 10 yards for first down, he'll run at it and he'll create great body structure and, you know, he'll go up for it and he'll make those plays. But didn't we just trade away our fastest guy on the offense? So I would have thought that maybe at the wide receiver position, they would have looked, tried to find for something you know, more of a 
of a speed type of um, wide receiver to take the top off the defenses and stuff because Vance not going to do that. Um, you know, we I, I watched him go up against SEC competition. Uh, most of his catches were amazing catches, by the way, but he was always tackled. He didn't create a lot of separation going down the field, you know. And once again, this is not a hate on the player. This is more of the pick number. I thought maybe he could have been available later on, you know, maybe past 84 or whatnot, but you went ahead and you got a, a wide receiver that when you kind of put things together, you know, he kind of reminds you of a Cooper Cup or a Josh Reynolds. He's going to, you know, create those, you know, those those route running lanes for five to ten yards. He'll catch the ball, and if he can make somebody miss, great. If he doesn't, well, you know, he's not a Brandon Cooks that's going to go down the field. So, you know, yet again, I've been nailing it for the last ten minutes being on this new pod, you know, forever about this. It's not the player. It's just the pick that was used to get him. And, you know, if this is the way they wanted to, you know, this is what they had in mind, then I'm obviously don't know what I'm talking about. You guys don't know what you're talking about. And apparently running back and wide receivers were the uh, two most desperate needs for this football team. Yeah, I agree with you again. Um, this isn't a knock on Van. Um, obviously, I'm a Rams fan. I want all of these guys to succeed. Um, I hope Van's a pro bowler. I hope he helps us win lots of games. Um, I think picking a wide receiver here was the wrong move. Um, and again, we didn't need a wide receiver here. We already have Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Josh Reynolds. And also, by the way, we still have Gerald Everett. We still have um, Tyler Higby. So we didn't really need another receiver. Um, for me, after the Cam Akers pick, I was I was still upset. And then when we got to fifty seven, I was like, okay, if they draft, it, I I have a I had a feeling they were going to go wide receiver. And I said to myself, okay, I'm probably not going to like this pick, but if they take Denzel Mims. I'll be okay with it. I can rationalize it, but they didn't, they didn't take Mims. They took Jefferson. So I, I was again upset and I can't remember which draft analyst it was, but they were doing their player comparison and they said, Oh, Van Jefferson is just like a Cooper cup. He's another Cooper cup guy. And I screamed at my TV. I was like, we already have a Cooper Cup. We, we don't need another Cooper Cup. Exactly. I was like, that's the problem here. Why are we drafting more Cooper Cups when mm -hmm. we just lost Brandon Cooks? We need someone to give us some speed. That's how the NFL is now. You have to have speed, guys. The Chiefs just won the Super Bowl with Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman. Guys that are fast. That's the way you play now. You have to have speed. So... I hope he's great. I hope he does good. But again, where he was picked here, I'm, I wasn't a fan. Um, Aaron, what did you think? So I said before, I think the Ra or the the Rams. I almost said the Raiders. Hey, uh, the Rams need to get another wide receiver, but one hundred percent not right now. They have Robert Woods. They got Cooper Cup. They got Josh Reynolds. Uh, no, they did not need a wide receiver at this pick at all. They just lost Dante Fowler Jr. Look at defensive end. They lost uh, Clay Matthews. Uh, they lost Corey Littleton. Look at the linebackers. Ooh, I, I do not understand this pick at all. Why did they go with wide receiver? Wait till later in the draft. And Nick, you're 100% too with Mims. You need somebody with some speed. Uh, and Manny, you hit it too. Like, they're not replacing uh, Brandon Cooks in the speed factor with Van Jefferson. 
um so they don't really have that that deep threat like uh like brandon cooks was bringing uh i don't understand this pick i i do want van jefferson to be successful but i think there's other wide receivers that could have filled in instead of him if they really wanted a wide receiver but i still really wanted somebody on the defensive end i wanted and when i say defensive end either a defensive end or a linebacker uh so i was pretty disappointed to see wide receiver go second uh with their draft picks here in the the second round um and as mentioned before i wasn't really in love with their first pick either uh like i said i thought they could have picked somebody picked up running back later in the draft so i was anticipating uh linebacker and potentially a defensive end or an offensive tackle at this phase for a first two picks. But instead we got a running back and wide receiver, which I didn't think were highly, highly needed on this team at this point in the draft. Yeah. Um, again, for, for where he was picked and what the team needed, it just didn't make sense. Um, uh, the playing devil's advocate here, I guess they're doing this move because there's the possibility that Cooper cup could either get hurt again, or he could leave in free agency um, next season. Yes, Nick. So you just hit the nail on the head. The more I've been thinking about this, the more that listen, you know, I, I don't think about players getting hurt or whatever, but we've seen already with this organization, what contracts do to people and what it could lead to. So the only thing as well that it kind of, you know, created something in my mind that maybe this is just a safety blanket, you know, maybe um, an Everett or a Cup, you know, or even a Woods, you know, ends up leaving because the, the Rams don't want to sign them to those, you know, after those three-year deals or whatever as a rookie, or, you know, you sign this guy to a longer contract for only two, three seasons, if you're going to have to resign him for a lot more money, especially if his production has been really, really good. So this is the only reason I think maybe they selected this. Not to mention that Van can learn a lot from these guys already in the film room and then learn a lot from Coach um, Sean. But, yeah, I, I think you're spot on when you talk about contracts or whatnot because this, to me, reads, you know, like a safety blanket pick the more that I look at it. It does. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely agree with that, but it just wasn't what they need right now. Correct. They could have waited yeah. till next year's yeah. draft. Or I still feel like they could have got uh, Jefferson potentially in the third round if they wanted to wait another draft pick. But, yeah. yeah, because once again, um, this is a second round. Normally, your 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 players in rounds one and two are supposed to be your impactful guys for the upcoming season. Yeah, they're I supposed to be starters. See, I don't and let and yet again, it's not on the player. I just don't see how a Cam Akers or Van Jefferson can create that you know that powerful impact that you need in the in the next upcoming season. Not to mention one, your record was horrible. No offense. One of your rivals went all the way to the Super Bowl, and they look much better drafting players, you know, in the draft three days, you know, you know, in, in the last three days than we did. I guess that's the most Absolutely. frustrating part. That's the most frustrating part for me too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's. I would like to think, and I certainly hope that when Cooper Cup's contract comes up, or sometime during this season, they sign him to an extension. Um, they've, the Rams have for the most part shown that they're homegrown guys. They like to keep the, the only exception I can really think of off the top of my head recently would be Todd Gurley. Um, 
But obviously, they've financially committed to Aaron Donald. They've committed to Jared Goff. They've committed to Tyler Higbee. Um, so I would hope that they would do the same for Cooper Cup. Um, if they let him walk, that's going to be another head scratcher, and I'm not going to get that move either. Um, so going on to our next pick, which was in the third round at number 84, the Rams finally decided to address the defensive side of the ball. And they took a linebacker, um, not an inside linebacker, um, which, again, kind of surprised me. But they took uh, Terrell Lewis uh, from Alabama. Um, Manny, uh, like, I'll defer to you for this. I'll let you say your piece first. Um, you've probably seen him play a lot more than I have. Um, what are your thoughts? No, he's a heck of a player. Um, he's a he's a ball hunter. Um, has great leverage when he goes and edges off the rush um his issues though unfortunately have been his injuries and for the last two years he hasn't really played that much um you know and i also see here um in the notes that you provided which absolutely were exceptional thank you nick for once again putting this together um (laughs) does he does he replace a dante fowler i don't think he does in the aspect that dante fowler we knew what his main thing was was to get after the quarterback to me, Terrell Lewis still does a little bit of everything. Goes after the quarterback, can create losses behind the line of scrimmage. He is on. He is a stout um, down lineman slash rusher to me. Um, he, I, I, I have, when I look, when I try to watch tape on him and stuff, you rarely see him going out into coverage. Um, it's mostly because you know he's two hundred and fifty-two pounds. He's six feet, so you want a guy like that always at the you know at the line of scrimmage. Um, I like it though. It when you erase the injuries. I felt like, you know, you went for a running back with your first pick. You went with a wide receiver, your second pick. You had to go defense here without question. Um, like I said, I like the player. Um, he was actually projected maybe in the second, third rounds before all these injuries occurred and whatnot in a lot of mocks. Um, but you know what? I, you know, I'm going to give um, our guy Terrell Lewis a shot. I feel like he's definitely another guy that, you know, he's like an Aaron Donald. You know, he doesn't take crap from anyone, okay? You mess with him on, you know, on first down, on second down, he's going to make sure that you know who the heck he is. And that's the type of guys that we, we need right now um, on this team, especially on defense. So um, as a grade, I say A+. Plus. You know, like I said, let's erase the injuries. Let's see. He's, he's played in SEC competition. So you know he's been around with the big boys without question. Yeah, Aaron, what do you got? Uh, yeah, when they made this pick, I – first thing that came to mind was thank god they went with a linebacker finally (laughs) so i was happy with that uh he looks like a big powerful a big powerful man uh looking at some of his um his attributes i mean he's very physical and he's aggressive uh run defender so uh i'm pretty excited to see him step in there and make some big tackles but uh, yeah, I, I'm a little curious to see how he is going to be in the pass defense. Uh, if he's going to be able to to keep up with some of these more elite tight ends uh, in the league. And uh, but no, I was very much excited to see Terrell Lewis get selected. Uh, like I had been mentioning, linebacker was in some need. Uh, yeah, expected maybe an inside linebacker, but I'm happy with the fact that they did not go offense. And they went with a linebacker. Uh, so, no, I think he's a big, powerful boy. I think he's going to come in. I, I'm i hoping he can step in right away and uh, start helping this defense. Um, I was very happy with this pick. 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they implement him with his injury history. Um, he has had an arm injury in the past. He also had an ACL injury. Um, ACLs are notorious in football for being potential career enders or certainly um, career altering. Um, on his side, he's still really young, so it's not like he's like a 33-year-old guy with a lot of mileage trying to come back from an ACL. He's still really young, so hopefully with that on his side, it'll help. Um, but anytime you see injury history like that, it can kind of be a little bit of a red flag. Um, clearly, this move was made to replace Dante Fowler. Um, if you, I have definitely talked to some Rams fans who thought losing Dante Fowler wasn't that big of a deal. And if you're that person to you, I would say you need to go back and look at the numbers. If you look at the advanced numbers on Dante Fowler, he had a lot of quarterback pressures and a lot of quarterback hits. He also had a pretty good number of sacks. I don't have it in front of me. I want to say he had 12 and a half or so sacks, which might not sound like a lot to you, but for one guy on that team, that was a good number. Um, and when you compare that with the quarterback pressures he had and the quarterback hits he had, he was one of those guys that, one of the guys I like to follow when it comes to football analysis is Chris Sims, the old quarterback for the Buccaneers. And he likes to say that guys F the play up. Dante Fowler is one of those F the play up guys. He might not fill up a stat sheet and have 15 tackles and two interceptions and all these things. But when it comes to making an impact on the game that you might not see on a stat sheet, he definitely made an impact. He let the quarterbacks know that he was there. And when you paired him with Aaron Donald, that was a formidable front that provided, uh, gave offenses a lot of issues. Um, so losing Dante Fowler is big. I, I'm a big believer in Dante Fowler, and I was really kind of sad to see him go. It'll be interesting to see what he does now for the Falcons. Um, but this move was clearly made to try and replace Dante Fowler. Um, I would have loved an inside linebacker, but um, I'm assuming they just weren't happy with whoever was there um, or they just have a huge belief in who they have now. But uh, he certainly appears to be that guy that they're going to groom to be their next kind of edge rusher. Um, he did have uh, six sacks in 10 games last season. So mm -hmm. certainly you can kind of see that the potential is there. Um, yeah, I mean, Nick. had he not had the injuries, I think his potential would have been a first round pick. Um, I think the only reason why he fell was probably the injuries. Yeah, Nick, but then also you look at the sacks, but he also had over 11 tackles behind the line of scrimmage. So that to me, and it says is that he, he lives, you know, at that line of scrimmage and he lives in the backfield. And at this point, we'd rather have a player that can do kind of both, you know, that can stop the run and go after the quarterback than just go after the quarterback, because if this is what you're going to get, well, you know what, then, you know, don't get me a guy, you know, because here's the thing now, Sharif Floyd is going to play on the other side. And to me, both guys kind of have the same type of play when it comes to, you know, for them being on the Rams D line. None of them are good in coverage. You know, they're going to both have to be going after the quarterback and getting, you know, sacks and, you know, and you know being able to stuff the run. So that's my only negative here is that I feel like you got another player and which maybe is going to replace a Floyd if you don't sign him next year. Cause remember Floyd's on a one-year deal. So maybe once again, maybe this could be like the bandaid for that next season when, you know, if you don't re-sign Floyd. Yeah. Uh, so going to the next pick, um, the Rams stuck on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they 
took this was uh again third round this was pick 104 uh they went with another terrell terrell burgess um who is a defensive back um but he's kind of one of these jack of all trades kind of guys which is becoming more the norm in defenses now um and i think that kind of became the new thing once everyone saw what tyron matthew was able to do because he's one of these guys that can line up anywhere. Um, and I'm assuming what Brandon Staley, the new defensive coordinator, is going to do is implement a defensive scheme where the Rams are really dynamic and they don't rely necessarily on a, you know, hey, we're going to run a 3-4 and we're going to operate strictly out of base defenses and nickels and dimes. We're going to have more. We're going to have three safeties on the field. We're going to have our nickel corner on the field more. So I'm assuming that's why they took this guy because he doesn't really project into any one spot. Um, he just, I'll give you a little breakdown as far as the places he lined up um, this past season. He lined up at free safety 133 times, lined up at the, in the box 285 times, at cornerback 27 times, in the nickel 272 times, and he actually lined up on the D-line 66 times. So literally can do anything. Um, and I'm assuming that's why the team valued him as much as they did. Um, Manny, have you seen any film on him? Do you have anything that you want to add? No, um, I didn't watch a lot of Pac-12 games. Um, but I do like the fact that he had 285 snaps inside the box, which tells me um, he probably covered the team's best tight end. Um, you know, he was actually a very active around the line of scrimmage. And when you play the 49ers, we all know about George Kittle, you know. So, you know, I have confidence there. Um, you know, when you play the Seahawks with the whole way that they run the football with Russell Wilson and a lot of, you know, player reads and, what, and whatnot. So, you know, to get a guy like this who is quick for his size and physical and, had, you know, and it's just like I said, he had 285 snaps in the box and he had 272 at nickel so that tells me the guy can cover he can you know he, he can be you know like another headhunter guy um on the opposite side or wherever our guy um you know from alabama's at so you know what this to me personally this just seems like a a team fit um especially in this division the way that the other teams like to move the ball offensively and i don't have an issue with the pick whatsoever No good points, Manny. Go ahead. Uh, I I really like this pick. Uh, you know, I thought they needed to get another cornerback to kind of complement Jalen Ramsey with uh, Roby Coleman leaving. I mean, this guy looks like primarily listed as a safety, but his versatility, like you stated, Nick. Uh, I mean, he can play anywhere on the field. Uh, I don't think he have a whole lot of players that are capable of doing that. And uh, I mean, he he could fill in at a cornerback. He could fill in at a safety. He could sit there in the box. Uh, I mean, you got you got a guy that can play multiple positions, um, and he's also filling a void in your defensive back scheme. I think I love the pick. I, I'm pretty excited to see him see him play for for the Rams. Uh, yeah, his versatility alone, um, I think, is going to be it's going to be used. So I'm excited for it. I like it. Guys, can I make a quick defensive Rams prediction for the season? I'd love it. Go ahead. Terrell Burgess will be one of our captains. Okay. Ooh. 
I mean, I don't know enough about him to say otherwise. So I hope you're right. Um, Just trying to create positivity here. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, well, I, I, I can like sense Nick's tone for like the thing I was. <laughs> he's like, he goes, "Oh yeah, I gotta talk about this." <laughs> well, I will say of the of the four picks the team has made thus far to this point, I think Lewis and Burgess are my favorite picks by far. Yes. Um, like I said not a knock against Akers and Jefferson. I think they'll be good players, but for what the team needed and where they were picked, I love Lewis and Burgess. I think these were actually good moves that addressed some needs. Um, and like I said, I'm assuming Brandon Staley is kind of going to more of a dynamic scheme as far as like players go. Um, so Burgess could end up being a, a huge X factor for the team on defense. Um, if he can come in and click and uh, pick up the speed of the game, it'll be really interesting to see what the defense looks like. And worst case scenario, if John Johnson gets hurt, if Taylor Rapp gets hurt, if you know one of the if David Long gets hurt, hopefully with his versatility, Burgess can just step in and just be a starter for however long he needs to be until the other guys come back from their injuries. So. I, like I said, I do love these last two picks the most out of the other, you know, the four total that we've talked about. I love these two the most. Um, now, going on to the next pick, which was in the fourth round at 136, this is where the team lost me, and I was so upset that I stopped watching the draft. Um, I don't understand the logic behind this one, but the Rams decided to take a tight end by the name of Bryce Hopkins from Purdue. Um I will go ahead and I will defer since everyone is looking at me as the negative Nancy here. I will go ahead and just defer and I'll let you guys say your piece before I even say anything. Um, so, Aaron, I'll go ahead and I'll go to you first. What are your thoughts on taking a tight end here or Bryce in particular? Uh, my jaw hit the floor and disappointment. <laughs> oh, good, what good. the heck were they thinking? Uh, they... <laughs> They don't need they, they didn't need to draft a tight end period in this draft. They nope, already they have didn't. that position filled. Um I had this made zero percent uh, reasoning to me. I don't understand it at all. Um it was a terrible pick. I, nothing against Bryce Hopkins. Uh he may be a great tight end, but the Rams one hundred percent did not need a tight end at all in this draft. Uh I hate this pick. I hate it. They needed to fill other voids in their team, and this made 0% sense to me. It's a lot of percentages in there, zero 100s, but this one was a lot of zeros, too. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. a lot of zeros. This didn't make any Uh, sense to me. I hate it. Manny, where are you on this? All right, so let me start off on a positive vibe. Jeez, holy moly, you guys are just Debbie Downers. (laughs) Um, Don't worry, I'll bring it down in a second. Go ahead. (laughs) LA Rams director and strength and conditioning coach, Justin Lovett, um, coached Ashley uh, Bryce Hopkins back in Purdue. So that's a great thing to see, uh, you know, two guys there that know know each other and whatnot are are now on the same team. And hopefully that can create uh, lots of great stuff for for our team going forward. Um, Now... I did see that Bryce has has never had a fumble in his football career, right? But he had about 20 drops. Um, that gets me nervous, especially since he was projected to be uh, a very, um, you know, I, I think I saw he was the Big Ten tight end of, of the uh, year. I, I don't remember the Big Ten being really big on tight ends. 
They're mainly, you know, is Ohio State where they spread the offense and it's Wisconsin where they love to run the football. Tight ends are very rare in the Big Ten. So to be named to that, that was kind of interesting. And again, I got to revert to the kind of like the Van Jefferson pick. You got Tyler Higby still on the roster and Joe Everett and John Munt. And I feel like with Higby and Everett, they've been the most productive, you know, twin tight ends in the league for the last couple of seasons. And this just feels like another Band-Aid just being there, you know, just in case, you know, and, you know, not really for injury, but more so for contracts. Um, I do think, though, that uh, Bryce can be used um, for these offense in the red zone or whatnot when you want to throw the fade route, you know, maybe uh, maybe another tight end blocker. You know, he does have the body size and whatnot. But, you know, listen, I understand he was ranked second amongst tight ends in the FBS. This team just didn't need a tight end once again in round four at pick 136. You know, once again, not a, not hating on the player at all. You know, every single guy, you whoever you are, you know, where they're picked by the Rams or picked up, you know, in UDFAs. Welcome, man. Welcome to the Ram family. Work, you've worked your asses off for this position, and we're all thankful for you. You know, give it your all. We didn't need a tight end with pick round four, one, one pick 136. We just did it. Yeah. No, we didn't. Um, and again, that's where I was super upset because, again, we're going back to apparently drafting just the best player we think is available as opposed to what the team needs. And I'm never going to agree with that strategy. Um, and I, this is kind of, I'll just get into it now. Earlier I had said that I was going to have a little tangent on Rams Twitter. I'll go ahead and get into it now because this is where I started getting into, into it with some Rams fans on Twitter. Um, there's a section of Rams fans on Twitter that are, um, how do I want to phrase this? Um, mm, they seem to be just like eternally optimistic and whatever the team does, they just are like, oh my God, what a great move. This is amazing. How smart are these guys? I feel like there's a section of Rams fans on Twitter that don't really use any sort of critical thinking or anything. I feel like they're very just whatever the team does that's the best thing they could have done. And how great was that? And I don't understand it because I think this is a very clear example of this was the wrong move. Um, so one guy who was having a conversation with Lindsay theory, who covers the Rams for ESPN, um, Lindsay made the comment of, you know, Hey, the Rams lost me with this pick. I don't get it. And this guy chimed in and basically said, well, you clearly don't know Sean McVay's offense. We need another tight end, blah, 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 blah. Um, to which I responded and said, uh, I don't remember during our Super Bowl run having phenomenal tight ends and all of our tight ends making phenomenal plays. And that's why we made it to the Super Bowl or making any plays in the Super Bowl. Um, and I certainly don't know where he got this notion of Sean McVay's offense needing tight ends, because like I said, we, we've never had production from our tight ends up until the last half of last season where Tyler Higby started coming on. That's never been a thing. Um, so I don't know why certain fans think we need a fourth tight end. Um, we have Tyler Higbee, we have Gerald Everett, and we have Johnny Munt. Uh, where does this guy fit in? Uh, I'm assuming, this is just me assuming, I've never, I haven't seen anything like this printed anywhere. I'm assuming the team is going to move on from Everett or Munt either this coming season before it starts or during the season, or they're not going to re-sign Everett or Munt after the season because they're free agents um 
But again, was that reason enough to draft a tight end here at this spot? No, I don't think so. Um, so that's kind of my piece on the move and also Rams Twitter. I don't know what it is about Rams Twitter. There's a lot of like weird sort of divisiveness there, which is weird because I feel like when I interact with other NFL fans on Twitter, there's a lot more rationality and critical thinking and let's have a conversation. And I feel like with Rams Twitter, it's very, uh, I don't want to say vile because it's not like mean necessarily, but there's definitely a lot of like finger pointing and like jabs and stuff. It's kind of weird. Um, I would hope Rams fans would kind of come together a little bit more and maybe put on your thinking caps a little bit and look at moves a little bit more rationally as opposed to just, oh, well, the team did it, so it must be the most amazing move ever. Um, that's just my piece on that. I'll go ahead and move on, get off my soapbox. Um, the next pick was round six, uh, the Tom Brady pick, number 199. Um, we stayed defense here. We went with Jordan Fuller, who's a safety out of Ohio State. Um, so I'm sure Manny probably knows a lot about this guy. Uh, I'll uh, go ahead and just let you say your piece. Um, I, I, I thought it was an okay pick. Um, I, I really wanted them to go after the safety that the Eagles got from Clemson. Um, but, you know, once again, like, you know, he, he, he played up to his potential for the last couple of seasons, but he never really had that outstanding season that you would expect at Ohio State, especially being a DB. Um, you know, obviously the um, numbers weren't there where you try to look at to see, you know, what type of impact a safety can make. But he did have good vision, um, you know, in the backfield. And and, and actually his his um, his um deep ball awareness was actually really, really um, well. Um, but, you know, I can't really say much about the pick, you know, like I – like I said, I welcome him to the Rams, you know, family and whatnot. I just, I would have wanted to have, you know, like another safety because I feel like with John Johnson and Taylor Rapp, those two guys to me are your starters um, without any question. Um, you know, I don't see ever having three uh, safeties on this, you know, on the field at the same time, unless it's a Hail Mary play. Um, you know, nothing against Jordan Fuller again. I just felt like, you know, there were other players that maybe we could have grabbed at you know pick 136 you know but then you waited to pick 199 to get a safety obviously that's what that's over 60 or whatnot players already gone by then you know it's just one of those things that i feel like bryce hopkins could have been available at 199 again i'm not a coach i'm not a scout i don't know i'm just analyzing it virtually like everybody did from a fan perspective and just putting on you know my caps on and just looking at it like that, I, I I feel like a Hopkins could have been available at 199, and you could have gotten a much better playing safety, you know, at pick 136. Once again, it's not on the player. I, I just feel like the Rams, once again, they were trying to reach. Aaron, what are your thoughts on the team? Not necessarily sticking with defense, but going with another defensive back after drafting. Um, I would, I keep having I have the Terrells in my head. Jordan I'm gonna have Fuller. to start distinguishing them in my head. But Jordan Burgess, Fuller, yeah. so Burgess was the the defensive back that they took a few picks before oh, this. Yeah. So, what were your thoughts with the team going for another defensive back here? I didn't think it was 100 percent necessary. Uh, I still think they needed some help on the offensive line, and they hadn't they hadn't really uh, filled that void yet. Um, so I feel. 
I still hate the Bryce Hopkins pick. So I feel like they could have picked a offensive lineman at that pick 136, but we're stuck at 199. So let's see what they could do to maybe help protect Jared Goff a little more. Um, instead, they they stuck with the defensive end and uh, got another safety. I, I mean, we're round six. Um, I don't love it. I don't absolutely hate I mean, it. Uh, I mean, it's, Aaron, it's just... I mean, well, I mean yeah, Aaron, go just, ahead. if you give you a, a quick stat, okay? Jordan Fuller is a three-year starter at Ohio State, and he only intercepted five passes, and he played in over 38 football games. I mean, no offense. If you're a safety at Ohio State and you only have five interceptions, I mean, I would be expecting more than that, which then that tells me that, no offense, you could have, you know, gone after maybe that that one more corner that was available at Ohio State because we've seen them produce, yes. you know, quarterbacks year in and year out. But yeah, you go after a safety, which was like the cover blanket for the guys, you know, at the on the outside. And I just feel like once again, it's just a reach. Yeah. yeah well, I mean I think, the, and it, oh, go ahead, the two yeah, the two corners for uh the two starting corners for Ohio State were already drafted in the first round. But um yeah, I do think it was a reach. I, yeah, only five interceptions, I would agree. I don't know what his stats are on uh deflections. A three year starter I think that has something to say a little bit uh, that holds that holds a little bit of ground through your start at Ohio State. But I just didn't think it was a position after picking up Terrell Burgess to that they needed to go for another safety. I think they still needed to work on some other positions to see if they get some competition going between some of the current starters and and maybe some of these rookies coming in. Uh, I, like I said, I don't hate it. I don't love it. But I, I felt like there's other positions that they could have they could have uh, drafted for let me just read you off his, yeah um, his, um that's real quick so he had a total of 216 ahead. tackles so obviously the whole part where you know he can he can make tackles or whatnot you know that's great we need a lot of tackling because as we know towards the end of the season that we just had our tackling was a big issue okay but to only intercept five passes and have zero touchdowns and only three force fumbles I'm sorry. I need to see more, especially if you're at the Ohio State. I need to see more. Yeah, and I think from from what I've seen, from what I've read, the NFL scouts consider him to be more of a run stopper, not so much the you know playmaker, the guy that's going to play center field and intercept a bunch of passes and be that guy. So, uh, I, again, kind of like what Aaron said, I don't necessarily agree with the pick just because I don't think we needed another defensive back here. I felt like, especially with a guy um, of, um, I keep blanking on his name. I keep wanting to say Lewis Burgess. I keep wanting to screw well, those two well, up. Well, um, well, so I can see where you I know. <laughs> uh, a guy with Burgess's versatility, who we already said can play so many different areas. Why did we need another safety here? That seems like a, it, a weird choice. It seems more of a box safety. Because if, if if Jordan Fuller's best attribute as a football player is tackles and, you know, to be more of an inbox safety, I'm sorry. I need a playmaker, man. I need somebody there that can stop DeAndre Hopkins from scoring a touchdown. I don't need somebody to go up there and to tackle, you know, George K on a 10-yard route. Like, I'm very sorry, <laughs> you know. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but you, we play in a d d division where, you know, wide receivers are, are, you know, that we're facing. Metcalf, you know, in Seattle. Um, Hopkins in Arizona. And not to mention the offense that the Niners run, 
I'm sorry. We need guys that can, you know, be ball hunters in in, in the back. I feel like we're our, our front, our front seven or eight. To me personally, I think is going to be our strongest part. But obviously, I, I would want more in the back end. Yeah, it's um, a little weird that at pick 199, the team still hadn't picked an inside linebacker or any help for the offensive line. That uh, makes me scratch my head. That was probably the, one of the biggest surprises of the entire draft for me was the fact that the Rams had clear holes at inside linebacker and offensive line. And we had gone all the way up to 199 and the team still did nothing to address any of those. Um, so finally, finally at pick two, what was this? 234 in the seventh round, the team drafted Clay Johnston, an inside linebacker from Baylor. Um as we've me and Manny, I think had touched on this. I think it was like episode one, the inside linebackers that the team has right now, uh, since Corey Littleton left leaves a group of Micah Kaiser, uh, Traven Howard, Kenny young and Troy reader. Uh, if you don't know those guys, that's for a very good reason because they're not that good. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. If they were any good, you would heard about those names already. They've been in the league now for uh, a little bit. And um, if they were worthy of being a starter, they would have been a starter before. Um, so clearly the team had a lot of inexperience at that position. And for whatever reason, they waited until the seventh round to pick somebody to fill that hole. Um, I guess they're going to hope that this guy comes in and uh, either competes for a starting position or pushes the other guys. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, anyone taken in the seventh round, honestly, I assume is going to get cut at some point during training camp. I don't expect seventh round draft picks to pan out. Um, I think at best he contributes on special teams or something like that. Um do you guys have anything about this pick in particular or anything about clay that you know of that you want to add? I, I'm upset that they waited this long to get an inside linebacker. Uh, and uh, clay Johnson uh, just came off of uh, ACL injury. So the, out of the two linebackers that the Rams selected, they picked uh, two players that are susceptible or susceptible to, uh, to injury, which, um, it's a little concerning seeing that I felt like, yeah, just a little, just a little, yeah. The linebacker position was something in dire need. Um, I'm very disappointed. It was this late cause they, I, I felt like they could have got inside linebacker much earlier in this draft pick or in this draft. Um, and they picked somebody that's injury prone. Uh, I'm not, I'm not thrilled with that. I've never seen the guy play, so I can't judge his, uh, playing ability. I just know that. He's coming off a serious injury and um and for an inside linebacker, I don't know what they what their scouts might have saw on him, but this late, I don't know. You I feel you pick a safer bet as in somebody that might uh be able to stay a little healthier and it's not coming off such a serious injury. Um it's late seventh round, uh hit or miss what you're gonna get, what you're gonna find. So I guess it's worth a risk, but uh, I'm not I'm not loving it so much. Um uh, just looking at some of the the scouting notes on him. Um I mean it says he he chases with great effort. Uh and he's an above average tackler. 
Uh, I mean, at the linebacker position, we want somebody who's going to be stellar tackler. And I felt like they could have got somebody like that early in the draft. Um, he chases with great effort. I mean, we need somebody that's going to be able to cover like a Kittle or something. Uh, on those outside routes, you want to make sure, you know, it's not just with effort. I'm like, he's a legitimate player. He can be out there and cover somebody like that. With, uh, we got tight ends that are coming into this league that are killing it. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. Um, we need good linebacker help. Uh, I mean, I know he's an inside linebacker, so maybe he won't be covering those guys as, as, uh, as much, but I, I'm disappointed with how late it, it took for him to get this guy. Um, and the injuries just makes me a little nervous. Yeah. And I think Corey Littleton, if, if some fans didn't notice, um, Corey Littleton was a great coverage linebacker and that's going to be a skill that's going to be sorely, sorely missed. Um, and the reason he was so good in coverage was because he had phenomenal speed for a linebacker. He could go sideline to sideline. That's kind of a cliche that gets overused a lot, but he was really one of those guys who was a sideline to sideline linebacker. And in this division where you're going to play these teams twice a year, uh, this is a very dynamic division. The Arizona Cardinals have Kyler Murray at quarterback. The uh, Seattle Seahawks have Russell Wilson at quarterback. Those guys are both very mobile when they need to be or they want to be. So we need linebackers that can not only cover receivers and tight ends, but they also need to be able to get to maybe not necessarily the line of scrimmage, but if one of those guys decides to take off and scramble, we can at least hold them to maybe – five yards or six yards instead of it being a 15 or 20 yard gain because they broke the pocket and just decided to run with it. Um, so we definitely need players that have that kind of speed and sideline to sideline ability. Um, similar to um, the other linebacker that we discussed that had the ACL injury, he does have youth on his side. So hopefully he can recover uh, from this. But again, anything you get out of a seventh round pick is kind of um like bonus that's like playing with house money um i certainly don't project any seventh round pick to provide much of anything other than help on special teams at most so i hope i'm wrong um obviously with all these guys i hope i'm i'm wrong and they prove to be pro bowlers and phenomenal um but do i think that that's gonna happen no i don't um manny what have you got regarding clay I'm going to keep it on a positive spin because you guys kind of, you know, took all of my thunder of negativity. I mean, listen, if I'm, okay. if I'm Clay Johnson, you know, I read off those names at the linebacking position, you know, Mikhar Kaiser, Jeremy Howe, um, Howard, Kenny Young, Troy Reader. Are you kidding me? Listen, this is an amazing opportunity for me to come back after an injury that is pretty tough to, to come back from. And listen, you see the young man's demeanor and his video and how hyped he is to be part of the Rams. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, this is an amazing comeback story if it comes true, okay? I'm being positive. But are you kidding me? That's the type of energy we want in a defense. You know, being vocal, being a leader, being out there, making plays. Here I am being too too positive, right? Um, but it's like I said, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with a Rams linebacking quarter that I think – Nick, we discussed it on pod one, has a total of 14 career starts in the National Football League. I don't think that's going to win you many, many games at all, at least on the defensive side. So if I'm Clay, I, I, I'm here looking at this opportunity that the Rams have given me, and I'm going to pick up and run away with it. I'm going to try the best I can, and who knows, man? Maybe hopefully we've we found our own diamond in the rough, you know? Maybe some good news for once. I hope so. Um, I really do. 
certainly the names you mentioned, um, he's not going to have a ton of competition. Um, so if he comes in and the knee's good and he shows that he's got that fire, then it wouldn't surprise me if he went into a starting role at some point because, um, like we said, these guys that are, we have on the team right now, not very deep. Uh, so I hope we get lightning in a bottle here, and I hope he's phenomenal. I really do. Um, the next pick was 248, and we're getting to the bottom of the barrel here, but the Rams decided to take a kicker here, which was a little surprising to me because I just assumed with the other two that they had signed that that was going to be enough. Um, but they decided to take a flyer on this guy who actually went to Sean McVay's alma mater in Miami of Ohio. Um, so as we know, Greg Zerline is gone. Um, he went to the Cowboys along with, uh, is it, I always get his name wrong. Is it John Fossil? John Fossil. John Fossil. Okay. I always get the Fossil brothers confused. Um, so they both decided to go to the Cowboys. So obviously the Rams have a need there at kicker and they'd already assigned the CFL kicker and they had already assigned the XFL kicker. Uh, but they decided, Hey, let's just get another one and, um, we'll see how it goes. As far as the competition goes, these things just let themselves play out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who they decide to go with. Um, it certainly seems like for a college kicker, which I feel like the draft pool for college kickers is usually pretty thin. Um, I feel like of all positions in college football, that one's like the least appreciated and probably like the least talented position on the field. Um, I feel like I've seen so many college kickers like shank 20 yard field goals. It's ridiculous, but uh, he converted 87% of his field goal attempts and he was four of five on 50 plus yard attempts. Um and I think we would all kind of agree that where Greg Zerline excelled was those long distance kicks. That's kind of how he got the name Greg, the leg. Um, he was the guy that could come in and if we were, you know, needing a 45 yarder, a 48, a 50, a 52, we could, you know, he could come in and he could nail those. Um, so this is another power leg that they're bringing in that, uh, I, they're trying to fill the void with Zerline being gone. Um, one other note, he did also convert 34, uh, of his extra point attempts. Um, but I'm, I don't know for sure, Manny, you probably know, I'm pretty sure the extra point attempt in college football is from like the five yard line. It's kind of hard to miss. I think Correct. I could hit it. Correct. So yeah, so that doesn't really do anything for me. I don't care about that. Uh, I think we all saw this past season with them moving the extra point back to now it's a 33 yard attempt that those extra points are extremely valuable. And we saw how, bad it can go for teams if you have a kicker that misses one or two extra points in a game and you're kind of boxed into having to go for two late in the game um so we relive the we'll, uh hawks game of last season on the road where we missed a uh, nice cheap shot field goal and we lost with the amount that we did <laughs> yeah imagine yeah. i don't know where you were for that game aaron but imagine me i was that was a thursday night game so i was doing my thursday night uh, bowling league and like I've said before I live outside the Seattle area so I'm surrounded by Seahawks fans so that game was on the TV of course in the bowling alley and when Greg Zerline missed that kick uh, I wanted to leave I did not want to be there I wanted to like hide in my bowling bag or just like go out to my car and drive away because that was it's so satisfying when the Rams beat the Seahawks living out here because you just see it on their face and they're so upset and I can rub it in their face and that game was such a winnable game. We should have had that game. 
And when he missed I was, that kick, I was so sad. I was at that game, Nick. Oh my God. Okay. You got <laughs> and, me beat. Uh, and yes. Oh my gosh. I was so disappointed. So yeah, I mean, they drove it down there and he had the opportunity to win it. And so from where I was standing, he kicked it and it looked like it was good. However, I could hear everybody in the, like behind the, the, the goalposts there, they started jumping up and down screaming. And I was like, oh my gosh, did he, did he miss? And sure as heck, I mean, the refs down in there are like, no good, no good. Everybody erupts. And I don't know if uh, any of our listeners know, but when the Seahawks, they don't even have to win a game before games, after they, if they win a game, they do this annoying chant where some people yell C and then some other people yell Hawks. So it's just constant C Hawks, C Hawks. So I have you get the urge to punch ferry. those people in the court. <laughs> oh, absolutely! I have to walk to the ferry, which is like twenty minutes, and I was I used to ride a ferry for an hour, and then I go home. So for that hour and twenty minutes, I got to listen to people chant Seahawks almost nonstop, and the satisfaction of if he would have made that field goal, and I get to see everybody with their you know sad face, super disappointed, and I can rub it in their face. Like you said, that's so much more satisfying and not having to listen to that annoying annoying chant for yeah that chant is so damn annoying i can't put into words uh i'm sure there's fans from other fan bases that have similar experiences but oh my god being out here and hearing those seahawks fans yell that stupid seahawks chant is so annoying um but yeah you definitely have me beat that's worse that's way worse um but yeah so obviously kicker is super important i think it's the point we we made here um so when we get to camp, these things uh, work themselves out. We'll see what the team decides to do. Um, it certainly when looks they like they've got enough depth that whatever road they go down, I think we've got a good option. So at least we have got that going for us. Um, the last pick that the Rams ended up making was number 250. Um, and lo and behold, with their last pick, number 250, the team finally decided, you know what, guys, we should probably get some help for our offensive line. And they drafted a guard. Uh, Tremaine, I'm probably going to butcher his last name, Antrim? Antrim, yep. Uh, Antrim, okay. Um, Manny, do you have anything on him? He's a Clemson guy. Um, I, You know what? I watched a couple of games with him um, you know, playing in it and whatnot. I mean, the guy was very consistent, not your – you know, you're overpowering, you know, over, over, you know, overpowering guard or whatnot. You know, um, if you know the whole Clemson offense is mainly shotgun. So, you know, how many running plays can you actually say were to his side? It was mostly towards the edges. Um, you know, he was named to an all ACC as a senior. You probably would have wanted more from him as a sophomore and junior, um, you know, but obviously his name really wasn't on the top of the list. Um, as an offensive lineman or as a guard. So, you know, those, you know, some things can be very inconsistent, you know, play here and there. Um, I did watch, though, the final two games he played, the Ohio State game before and the last game of, of Clemson, which they played in the ACC championship game, I believe, I remember correctly, that was either against Pitt, I think, or maybe UVA. Um, he didn't play that well for the fact that, um, the Tigers couldn't run the ball towards his side a lot because he was facing very stout defensive tackles. And then not to mention in the Ohio State game, he was facing um, Young from Ohio State as well. So obviously they were, you know, the Tigers were trying to run on the opposite way of where, you know, where he was on the line. 
Um, you know, but hey, you got another body in. You know, maybe you can you know groom this this young man to be you know a backup center or guard. You know, I don't think he's a tackle. I don't want him to be put in the tackle position. You know, I want my quarterback off to be you know standing up when he throws the football as much as possible, and I want to be able to have our three backs that are going to get the football um be um to run into you know nice lanes and whatnot. So you know, I like the pick in a sense that they finally got an offensive lineman. I just feel like it's the same thing as a linebacking position. You waited too late to get valuable talent, you know, picks 234 and 250. That's where you go at positions where me and you, Nick, have been talking about since day one of this pod that to us were the most crucial positions on this team. And you wait to those two pick numbers. I I really don't know, man. I really don't know. (laughs) Yeah. um, I honestly was laughing because – I was watching this. I was checking in just on my ESPN app at this point. Cause like I said, after the tight end pick, I was like, I'm done. I'm not watching this anymore. Um, and I checked in and I saw that this was our last pick. And I actually laughed out loud because I was, it was almost like the team was making a joke. Like, Hey guys, remember all that problem, all those problems we had on the offensive line last season. Hey, guess what? We finally took a lineman at pick 250 like it almost seemed like a joke or a jab i don't know i i I laughed out loud when i saw i was like oh how cute they finally decided to draft an offensive lineman um he doesn't have uh the guys in front of him don't have a ton of experience um so i i would expect him to make the team i don't this is one of those seventh rounders that i actually do would expect to make the team because under the circumstances that the team has he doesn't have a whole lot of competition and a whole lot of bodies in front of him. So I would expect him to make the team. Um, certainly, like you said, I wouldn't expect him to be a tackle. I would expect him to be a guard or a center. Mm-hmm. Um, the notes that I did see on him, um, he apparently is perfect for a zone blocking scheme. Mm-hmm. And he's quick enough to get out when asked to pull on run plays. So that's good. Um, scheme wise, it would appear that he fits for you know Sean what Sean McVay wants to do. So he's a scheme fit, so that's good. Yeah, it's um blocking where he needs to get better. Yeah. And uh like you noted, he was a all 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 ACC as a senior. So um while he didn't have a long stretch of you know dominance, he did at least have his senior year where he kind of peaked and was coming into his own and was recognized for that. So Hopefully going forward, he's still going to keep growing and he hasn't hit his, you know, top of his potential yet. And he's going to keep getting better because um, like we saw last season, uh, there's definitely going to be a lot of opportunities uh, to come in and play. Um, I personally think that last year the offensive line was more victimized by injuries and not necessarily a lack of talent. I think the line could do better this year if they just can stay healthy. Um how you know we'll see how that plays out um i hope that's the case uh certainly i do have faith in uh evans i think he did really well last year in the absence of havenstein um so we'll see but going forward uh it is really really strange that the team decided to pick an inside linebacker and an offensive lineman with their seventh round selections um Aaron, I'm assuming you're probably right there with us and you thought this was a little strange to finally go with alignment here. Yeah, it was kind of a slap in the face. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's one of the last picks of the draft and they 
finally selecting an offensive guard. Um, yeah, I, I, they could have done this much earlier. I think they could have got a higher value player. Um, I'm still upset about the tight end selection in the fourth round. I think they could have definitely switched that out with a lot of different prospects. Uh, I'm happy they selected an offensive lineman, uh, but I mean, they, they need to do a good job protecting Jared Goff this year. And I feel like the 49ers have really stacked defense and uh, make sure they got a lot of healthy, a healthy uh, line play to help protect their asset and Jared Goff and um, give them an opportunity to, to throw or to even have this new guy acres or some of these running backs um, have the opportunity to find some gaps and run down the field. So I, I don't know anything about this guy uh, that they drafted, but I was happy to see they drafted somebody off from the offensive line to hopefully um, add some value potentially. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Go ahead. Manny. No, it's just something real quick. And for, listen, you know, for, are you, Rams fans that have, you know, personally contacted me about this whole online thing because, you know, they all know that from day one on the Mob Squad pod, that's always been my my number one thing, as you also said it, Nick, besides linebackers. Listen, did the line play great towards the end of the season? Of course. You finally got the continuity. You finally got you got the whole puzzle working together. But when you have an offseason like this and you look and you see where you can get better and improve, not to mention that you let go of one of your most impactful players behind the ball, and now you traded one of your best guys that created, you know, one-on-one coverage or one-on-one down the field. You know, you went for a running back with your first pick in this year's draft. You would have wanted to get, you know, a tackle or a guard or even a center, you know, a much more talented guy to at least fit around that, you know, not wait to pick 250, you know. So that's my little issue there, you know, even though the offense, the line remained great last season towards the end, listen, it still is very inexperienced. Injuries can happen left and right. So you mean to tell me that we're going to be counting on, you know, Tremont, Akram, and, you know, the one other or two other guys that we signed undrafted, you know, that we're going to count on those two or three guys to become, you know, part of this unit that, no offense, it's very inconsistent still. That's my one issue. And in an offseason where you have plenty of time to scout, plenty of time to put pieces together to try to improve and you know did you improve yes I just don't feel they improved it to the max and that's my problem with it yeah and and Um, to add to that oh go ahead you got yeah uh I mean Andrew Whitworth as much as I I love love him as a player I mean he's 38 years old um is he going to be healthy for the whole season uh if not who do they have to really fill that gap offensive tackle for him um you know, some of those things to kind of think, think about for, are these guys going to be able to sustain their health throughout the season, especially some of these older guys. Uh, and then if not, who's going to be able to step in and protect Jared Goff at that position or open up holes for the running backs. So I felt like they could have did a better job in picking up somebody sooner. Yeah. Banking on a, what is he? 37? Is that what you said? 37 year old tackle to 38. Oh my God. Yeah. So banking on a 38 year old, uh, left tackle, which is, you would argue is the most important position on the offensive line. Uh, that's tough. Um, Whitworth has proven to be a phenomenal player for a long time. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until he proves otherwise, but, um, certainly age isn't on his side. 
Um, I guess the silver lining of having this extra long off season potentially is, you know, he'll come into the season more rested up and recouped um, to have a good season. Um, but it's like, I think Manny had mentioned, it's kind of scary because we have these teams in our division where the 49ers, as we saw, they made it to the Super Bowl and their defense is phenomenal. And their defensive front is arguably one of the best in the NFL. So two games out of the year and potentially in the playoffs, we're going to have to go against that line. Um, do you trust this line enough to do that? Um, the Seahawks, I always think or hope that they're going to be worse every year. And they always somehow seem to be good. Um, they still have, it's not the Legion of Boom anymore, but they still have playmakers and they're still, for whatever reason, still, still consistent, unfortunately. Um, and the Cardinals have Chandler Jones, um, and they're getting better. So these games in our division are going to be tough, and we're definitely going to need the offensive line to perform better. Um, and as Manny had alluded to, the team made a lot of moves after the draft and signed um, 20 undrafted free agents. Um, the Rams came in with 58 players under contract, which was the second fewest in the league. So it would make sense that after the draft, they signed up a ton of people because um, they need a lot of bodies um, of note. Um, they added two quarterbacks, Josh Love and Bryce Perkins. And they also added two additional running backs because why not? And they added one offensive lineman as Manny had alluded to. So um, overall um, on Twitter, I saw, I saw reactions as far as an overall A plus, and I saw reactions as far as like a C minus. I think for the Rams, um, I, again, like I said earlier regarding Rams Twitter, there was definitely some I think delusional fans that were way too high on this draft. I kind of fell in the C plus range. Um, I definitely, like I said, I think they got some good talented players. I don't think they necessarily messed up in picking untalented players, but where they picked them and what the team needed was my issue. Um, by far, my favorite pick of the entire draft um, was uh, Terrell Lewis, the outside linebacker from Alabama. I think the ceiling on him is super high. Um, if he can stay healthy and perform like I think he can, uh, I think that's going to be the steal of this draft for the Rams. Um, so overall, me personally, I would give the draft a C plus. Um, Manny, where do you sit on that? I mean, my friend, I, I would probably have to go um, give it the same grade, a C plus, but I'm with you on Terrell Lewis, and I'm also in there with Terrell Burgess. I feel like these two young guys are going to be the staple stone of the L.A. Rams defense for years to come, hopefully saying that they re-sign them after two, three years after having amazing rookie first-year contracts. Um, you know, so that's where I'll say that. And, you know, and it's like I've been saying from the beginning of this pod, and you just mentioned it. It's not about the players that were drafted. Not at all. It's just the numbers that they were picked and the way they were picked. And, you know, I didn't I, – I feel like the Rams, they didn't value their pick number. They just went and they reached. And, they you know, for them, it's, you know, they feel like they succeeded great. We want our organization to feel successful and that they did the right thing. But, you know, when you put it on paper and you analyze it as a fan – or as we're doing, it's just, you know, the, you know, the first two picks are head scratchers. 
You know, Terrell Lewis and Terrell Bridges, we already spoke about those. I love those two in the middle of that question. But then you go to Bryce Hopkins and you go to Clay Johnston. And, you know, basically right right after Hopkins, you can't, you know, okay, let me furthermore. Basically after Jordan Fuller, I guess, at pick 199, you can't really say much about, you know, Johnston or about, you know, Slowman or even about Treyman. You, you, you really can't because those picks, you know, obviously you have to pick a player. You know, unless you decide to trade it away for other picks in the following season. But, you know, overall, I see this as a C plus. And if it wasn't for a Terrell Lewis or for a Terrell Bridges, this will probably be a D for me. Yeah. Aaron, where do you sit on this one? Uh, I mean, I was teeter-tottering between a C minus and a C. I'll give them a C just based off of some of the talent they got. Uh, Cam Akers, I'm excited about his play. I am not excited with where they picked him. Uh, Van Jefferson, another pick. I'm not excited about where they picked the wide receiver there. Uh, as you guys have already stated, I think Terrell squared with uh, Terrell Lewis and Terrell Burgess. Excited about them. L- literally, those are the only two players that I thought they drafted correctly at a good location in the in their draft picks. Everybody else, Bryson Hopkins, doesn't make sense. Sam Sloman, uh, they just picked up two other kickers. I guess they're going to have a three-way battle here. Uh, seventh round, it still doesn't make sense to me. Uh, the linebackers that they selected, yeah, Terrell Lewis, love him. I think that was a good a good pick at that location. But Clay uh, Johnston, when they needed an inside linebacker, it's not my favorite selection out of what could have been available if they selected somebody much sooner. Uh, you got Jordan Fuller. He's kind of an iffy selection for me. As I mentioned earlier, I don't love, I don't hate. Um, overall, I just, I didn't, I like some of the quality of these players, but I don't like how they, they did not select players that were in immediate need. In my opinion, they went with some of the players that were more at the top of the, uh, the list as for talent and whether it was needed or not, like running back or wide receiver. Um, I just don't think overall that they made, they made good selections uh, with what opportunity they had and they didn't select correctly at, at each particular phase with the exception of the two Terrells. So in my opinion, just yeah. a C I give them a straight C. Okay. So in, you know, two years, three years, four years, we can all have the benefit of hindsight and we can look back on this and we could either pat our own backs and yep, call that we're right. Or we could be dead wrong and uh, they're all phenomenal players and they turn out to be great. So, uh, you know, my friend, (laughs) yeah, Uh, that's the thing with, with draft classes, you never know, You you know, it could take, two years, three years, four years before some of these guys fully pan out. Uh, you never know. So we won't know for a while. So we'll see. Um, we'll finish up here with just a couple uh, little news notes type things. Um, we put out a poll regarding our last episode, and we finished up that one talking about our own personal top five uniforms in the NFL and where we sat on that. So we put that out to a poll. Um, not a I wouldn't expect a huge turnout because we're, we're brand new guys. Uh, we're still getting our feet wet here, but the votes we did get, guess who won? (laughs) 
Sunday. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So that was me, uh, and it wasn't even close. Uh, I got sixty-five percent. Manny, you got twenty, and Aaron, <laughs> you had fifteen percent. Um, I voted for myself, so that was probably. <laughs> so I'm happy with Manny and Aaron, but they love Nick. So there you go. Nick. Yeah, um, because I picked the Falcons. I already told you. I screwed. I screwed myself yeah, I, with the Falcons I, pick. <laughs> yeah, I think the Falcons pick probably doomed you. I think there were some people that saw that and they're like, "Wait, what? No." Um, but yeah, it's cool, fun little thing to do. Um, still waiting on what the Rams are gonna do for their um uniforms. We still haven't even heard a date when they're gonna release those yet. Um, there was a couple of fans on Twitter I saw that were kind of taking screenshots of the different logos that ESPN was using for their graphics and trying to interpret that as a potential clue into the helmet or the uniform. I'm not going to get caught up in that. Um, I've already expended enough energy on the logo and how much I hate it. So I'm just going to wait and see whenever the uniforms come out, they come out. Um, for our next podcast, I have a feeling what we might end up doing is just maybe something similar to this with the exception of instead of talking just Rams, we'll probably do kind of an overall hit on some different key points for the, you know, other teams in the NFL. Um, certainly I think there is, this draft had a lot of interesting storylines. Um, me personally, the one that struck me the most that I was just like, uh, excuse me, was the Jalen hurts pick that blew me away i thought that was like a mix-up or something happened and it was like an accident but apparently the eagles are like no 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 that's we wanted jalen hurts so that one kind of blew me away um i'd be interested interested to kind of talk about that pick um did you guys uh manny i'll go to you first did you have a pick in this draft that kind of just blew you away whether that was for a good reason or a bad reason i would probably say the packers selecting a quarterback and it just happened that was and strange it, yeah, yeah and it just happens to be that when uh, aaron Rodgers was selected he was kind of um far was kind of like the same age that Rodgers is now when he was selected back then so i just found it to be extremely interesting and you kind of mentioned it you know i am an eagles fan per se and i was just I was shocked. I was, you know, I, I didn't know what to think. I was speechless. You know, I would have thought with our second round pick needed, they would have gone for a defensive player. I mean, you know, no more Malcolm Jenkins. You're, you're there trying at safety with a guy who played cornerback. You haven't had, you know, a very providable linebacker since Jeremiah Trotter in the early 2000s. Like, I really don't know which route, you know what I'm saying? And, um, yeah, so just quickly on that, uh, we are in the works to try to get an interview with one of our guys at Eagles Nation, which is also part of the uh, WEG Entertainment um, family. Uh, so yeah, so that might be in, in the works in the next upcoming days, because it will be very interesting to get their perspective on it. Um, not to mention as well with the rest of the teams in the NFC East, you know, Cowboys going out of nowhere to get, you know, C.D. Lamb. I understand he was there still when they were, you know, turned to pick. It's a great value pick, but you just signed Amari Cooper to that huge contract and you still haven't paid your quarterback. You know, the Washington Redskins, yes, they laid it all on the line but for a pass rusher, you know, and the Giants, you know, like the Giants are just the Giants in a sense. So, you know, it's very kind of interesting what each team did and whatnot. But per se, you know, to me, still, is that Packers selecting a quarterback in the first round still? 
which that then tells me if I'm Aaron Rodgers, like, damn, my days here are basically numbered. Yeah, that one was definitely a head scratcher um, for me as well. Aaron, was there a pick that kind of caught your eye, whether that was good or bad, that made you kind of, you know, it kind of perked you up a little bit? Well, I'm with Manny. The Jordan Love one definitely caught my <laughs> caught my eye. I was not uh, expecting the Packers to trade up there to grab Jordan Love. Um, I mean, when you start looking at it, though, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is 36 years old. He's getting older, so maybe it does make a little bit of sense to get this guy in and and be mentored for a couple years. But um, I don't know. You you always were you always look at Aaron Rodgers as one of the elite quarterbacks. And you don't really recognize, okay, he's getting a little bit older to where um, your your team drafts a quarterback in the first round. Then it kind of brings your attention to, okay, they're actually looking at moving moving forward potentially with, with another quarterback here in maybe the next couple of years. Who knows? Uh, so that one just initially really, really kind of surprised me. Um, so being a Raiders fan, I was I was a little scared to see the Broncos grab uh, Jerry Judy there at number fifteen. Yeah. Um, I think they got some pretty good value for uh, for where they snatched them up. Um, I think he'll complement Cortland Sutton pretty well. Uh, Drew Locke has got another weapon to start throwing it to. Uh, he's a young wide receiver. I mean, he's ranked number one at his position. Um, great route runner, pretty good speed. So. Uh, I felt like that was a good value, good value grab there for the Broncos. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the CD Lamb when the the it kind of made me chuckle a little bit, but when the Cowboys were drafting him, uh, he was, it looked like he was potentially talking to somebody from the Cowboys organization on his phone as he was getting <laughs> selected, and his girlfriend was sitting next to him, and she quickly like it's almost almost like she had this planned out. She quickly grabbed his phone from between his legs, like she wanted to look to to look at his personal phone and yeah. I mean, the guy's got quick hands, dude. So he's already talking to somebody on one phone and with his left hand snatches that phone out of her hand. And then he looks at her while he's on the phone, just shakes his head. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I was like, that, that's epic. <laughs> that made it on Twitter really quick. You know, uh, that I, one got I, a lot of traction. Um, yeah. And of course, I can't imagine CD, they're going to stay together. <laughs> yes. CD came out on Twitter um, later on and was like, Hey guys, it's not like that, but I mean, yeah. it's kind of hard right. to come back from that. Uh, so, but yeah. Um, so I think next podcast we'll, we'll get more into the um, yeah. overall draft storylines from some of the other teams. Cause there's definitely sure. a lot to digest. Um, Very quick note on that though, before we move to the next topic. So I recently found out today that CeeDee Lamb's girlfriend, ex-boyfriend, is actually Trey Young. And they all went to Oklahoma. Oh, wow. <laughs> there you interesting. go. Interesting. Very interesting. She mm. likes those uh, She likes those talented she likes ballers. athletes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that they could potentially be millionaires some year. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I won't go any more into that. Uh, so with that, guys, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, cool. Thanks for listening. As always, um, I can see the listens that we've been getting on our podcast, and it's kind of been growing a, a little bit every single episode. So if you are listening, thank you. We appreciate that. Um, and by all means, interact with us on Twitter. Hit us up. Um, uh, Manny, you're at MannyVCB24. Is that right? Yes, sir. 
Okay, uh, Aaron is at American Airhead. He's still new to Twitter. He's still getting the hang of it. Um, but we're going to get him there. He's going to be a Twitter <laughs> expert. All right, he'll be there. Uh, I, need and, the, uh, I need the YouTube. Uh, yeah. Not a Twitter. Um, which I'm sure there's tons of videos out there on that, as funny as that is. It sounds hilarious, but I'm sure there's that's like an actual thing. Um, Twitter is one of those things I don't think people realize. Like, it's kind of like a big you're like jumping into the ocean when it comes to Twitter. No one really tells you how it works or what you do. Um, you just kind of have to like figure it out. I feel like when it comes to things like Instagram and Facebook, it's very like, Oh, I know what those are. Instagram is you just post pictures and, and post captions and Facebook is you just post statuses and Twitter is very like you do you whatever the hell you want. It's very just open-ended and broad and you could literally do whatever you want talk to whoever you want so twitter is one of those social media platforms that's kind of scary to like jump into um and i'm at weak sauce 13 um and we also have at rams nation lax we also have at mob squad pod and we also have at i believe manny correct me if i'm wrong at lax sports nation or is it just lax nation lax sports nation my friend you said it correct okay okay awesome also um thing that i did want to point out there so our second round of the all-time best St. Louis and LA Rams um, bracket will be, I will post those tomorrow. Uh, for those of you that have yet to see uh, who won the first round, I will make another post of it tomorrow morning and we will begin voting at nighttime tomorrow. Um, one more quick reminder on that, please. I did not do this by seeds. Do not tweet at me, yelling at me, telling me how do I have Eric Dickerson once again at nine. I've said it for the last ten. three or four pods. I basically want to in West. It just came out that way. Please, I am not putting the great Eric Dickerson at number nine and Jared Goff number one. And that was for you, Eric. Yeah, yeah. I think well, he's yeah. actually at ten. Um, at two. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Thanks. Manny's probably going to get that regardless. Now people are probably going to do that ju- just to <laughs> poke fun at you and poke you a little bit because they know it irritates you at this point. Yes. Um, but Hey, it, it is what it is. It's still a fun little thing to do. Um, I know for me personally, um, I think Kurt Warner's a one seed. I know that doesn't matter for this, but um, for me personally, if it was my bracket, I would have Kurt Warner. Um, at the very end, he'd be my guy. I love uh, his whole story and background and where he came from and what he accomplished. Uh, Kurt Warner is definitely my guy. Um, so yeah, definitely really cool thing that you got going on there. And uh, if you guys haven't checked that out, definitely check it out. It's really cool. Um, so with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this up and we'll see you guys or talk to you guys again shortly. We'll do some more draft talk. Should be a good time. Uh, thanks for listening as always guys. Take care. <laughs>